It's 31 degrees outside <laughs> and a, we're sitting inside day. recording this podcast just this for you. This is how committed to we, we were to recording season three for you guys. We're sitting inside on a 31 degree day. I'm pretty excited how everyone has received season one and season two. We're getting lots of people listening. It's exciting and people yeah. are actually getting some really solid advice. At the Australian Event Awards, I had um, a few people get autographs, which was really exciting. Yeah, we're not quite at autograph stage, but did you? (laughs) Yeah, no one came up to me. But (laughs) seeing as you mentioned it, we Known Associates was nominated as one of the top three small event businesses in the country. Oh, that's what we've been doing in our break. Yeah, Yeah. celebrating, celebrating. Yeah, celebrating hard. Welcome to season three of Behind the Clipboard, everybody. We are going to kick off this season with the very exciting topic of event and VIP protocols. You're listening to Behind the Clipboard, event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the insider toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. Mel, have you subscribed? Yeah. Tam, have you subscribed? To what? It's a little uh, podcast called Behind the Clipboard. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh, yes, I have. And do you know that everyone who subscribes, it puts us up higher in the iTunes charts and people can see us more visibly. Mm. If you are listening to this and you haven't already subscribed, please do. It helps us spread the love to more budding eventies. And if you write a review, we might read it on the show. If it's good. (laughs) (laughs) So shower us with compliments. (laughs) We don't take criticism well, so just shower (laughs) us with compliments. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Well, Tam, thank you for asking. Settle in with your finest china and pour yourself a nice cup of tea. Today's episode is all about having VIPs at your event and the protocols that go with this. These VIPs can include royalty, governors and politicians. We'll cover pre-event protocols protocols to roll out during an event as well as any post-event protocols that might need to be covered and I'll say protocol a lot I don't know I'll just throw this out to the room of two people (laughs) what is a protocol so a protocol is defined as the customs and regulations that you use when dealing with diplomatic formality precedent and etiquette so if you're going to have a politician the governor any member of the royal family there are different levels of protocols depending on who's coming to that event it's like a more extreme version of like manners. Yeah, yeah, it is basically. It's yeah. just it's knowing the rules, it's guidelines, and implementing them. Correct. So before we get into protocols, the nitty gritty, why would you invite? What would be the purpose of inviting someone, a dignitary, a minister, royalty to your event? Well, it depends on which of those you're inviting, but usually you invite them to add prestige to the event and to, particularly if it's a charity or a fundraising event, not necessarily for them to donate. They usually don't have a lot of money to give out, but it's um, the acumen that they bring. It's the... Gravitas. It's the gravitas that they bring to the event. And also you want them to listen to your message or your brand identity, whatever that is, and take that away and remember it. So when they are making policy in the future, when they're deciding where to put the government's funds, you'll be front and front of mind. That's specifically for charity, but it's also very, very powerful if you're doing, um, if you want to get a brand in the media. Mm. So if you're doing a launch or if it's a PR event or PR stunt, if you have any kind of VIP um, 
particularly royalty, if you can get them there, but government ministers, etc. the media are usually going to turn up. So they're a really good draw card to get the say, media that's there. That's a really good point, Tam. A, a previous job I had, you know, we felt our story was quite newsworthy, but we knew the only way to guarantee any media was to just get a minister down there because he was unveiling something else, a policy, and then they'd be down there. Yeah, if there's a hot topic and oh, you can, um, it and was you a can hot topic. get the minister to talk about that hot topic at your event, Winning in the media. Yeah, definitely. So we've picked our VIP that we're going to invite. Let's run through some pre-event VIP protocols. The rule of fun, thumb. The rule of fun. <laughs> so I think the rule of thumb is to give as much notice as possible when inviting officials or VIPs. Yeah. They get a lot of conflicting invitations and politicians in particular have a lot of sitting days in parliament they have to work around. And Coincidentally, if it's a sitting day when your event is on, they need to actually request permission not to go. And then they Which they probably love. Yeah. <laughs> they need a note from their mum to then, not go. Exactly. Can I, can I just get out of sitting in this like cage? Today? And then the opposition actually has to agree and pair up someone who also doesn't go to parliament. So it, it does wow. take some time. You know a lot about parliament. I do, don't I? <laughs> we usually aim for at least two to three months out from an event. We will send the invitation. Which seems extreme, but that's legit. Yeah. Yeah. And politicians politicians used to require like a uh, what do you call it a hard copy letter but now it's actually quite um acceptable to send a scanned email letter yeah but we still get it signed by the most senior person in the organization that is definitely the best way to do it but it's not necessarily you don't have to you can send an email to their office and you can still get the request through the governor also as well as a written letter, which is required, it's not optional for the governor, um, does require an invitation form to be filled out as well when returned. So there are, depending on the level of VIP you want there, they do have extra levels of requirement. And if you've done your run sheet correctly, you can usually just copy and paste from that into the governor's template. Exactly. So the office sometimes can take up to four to six weeks to process this and get back to you. That's why you need to allow that extra time in the invitation process. And also plan for changes yes especially if it's ministers it yes. could be one minister's coming one moment and then they get pulled away to canberra or wherever or there's an election in between yeah and yeah. they'll send their the next best person and sometimes you can go down the line yeah. to you're at the eighth best person but the, you've still got someone there the tea yeah. lady yeah the tea lady for the labor <laughs> party so once the invitation has been accepted uh, usually these vip guests will require a briefing document ahead of schedule Definitely for ministers, uh, the premier, representatives, that sort of thing. They're pretty straightforward. They just require basic event information, um, the order of proceedings. Definitely if you require that VIP to be part of the proceedings for the day. You know, do you want them to make a speech? If so, how long will it be? What are the key messages? Will it be cutting a ribbon? Collecting a check or something. Exactly. And then who will be meeting them? Generally they require the most or a very senior person in the organisation to meet them at the door and greet them. Further to that, it's important to realise that they want such a level of detail that if you are perhaps doing a ribbon cutting, they want to know who's going to be standing on their left side (laughs) and who's going to be standing on their right side. And you have to be prepared to answer those questions. And I've definitely had to put down the little X's with the sticky tape before for a minister photo op. Tam just looked at me like, what? Have you never done that before? Where to stand? Yeah. Wow. To make sure the photo was optimum I had to put the little x's down on the floor right yeah cool fussy Um, little buggers aren't they (laughs) (laughs) government ministers will also generally be accompanied by a policy advisor or an aide or someone similar so if you are having a seated event it's important to ask the office that sometimes they'll come alone but 
um, often you'll need to seat someone else with them. And another thing to keep in mind is when doing seating plans, the VIP guest should always be at the head table or front row, depending on the style of seating you've got for your event. It seems obvious, but it's worth saying. And also something I've learned recently, if you if your head table is particularly tight for space or the front row, which it usually is, you have people coming that you want to show that they're Everyone important wants to, to the, the event. Yeah. Um, the policy advisor or the aide doesn't necessarily have to sit at the same table. So I've before I've put them at a, a close nearby table, but not necessarily in the front row. And you might have to also organise transportation for them. I mean, government ministers usually have their sexy black cars that they mm-hmm. turn up Special in. Special charter vehicles. They do. Um, but if it's a celebrity, um, you may have to factor in getting them some decent transport to get to the event and get there at the time that you want them there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would actually prefer to organise transportation because then I know for sure what time they're going to get there. You're <laughs> yeah. in control. Yeah, correct. Correct. <laughs> and that is another good note. Before the event, get the mobile number for the policy advisor or everyone. <laughs> whoever's coming, they won't obviously give out the minister's mobile usually, but somebody who knows exactly where that person is in case they don't turn up on time. So we're at the event, guys. Um, so what are some of the uh, VIP protocols we go through during an event? You can't start the event until they've arrived. This is true. That actually depends. If they're part of the formalities, you can't. I have started an event before when a minister didn't turn up because it was getting on to 20, 30 minutes. Right, okay. And we couldn't get hold of the mobile number, kept ringing out. Who specifically was that? It was a shadow minister as well, so. Mm, Johnny come lately. Yep. (laughs) He was very apologetic and nice about it, to be fair, so he, he didn't care that we'd started, but... Generally, especially where well, you can't start the formalities if they're part of them. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I'd be too scared to start if they weren't there. Because I'm like, what if they just don't show exactly. up? So uh, when they do arrive, make sure the most senior person in the organisation does the, meet them at the arranged place. And often, depending on the level of the VIP, they will have some security measures that need to be implemented. Um, <laughs> have we got a story uh, for you? Yes. So we, Tam and I did an event called Kings of the Kitchen and it, Prince Edward was in attendance. I'm not sure what in the line of succession. Do you know his background? But he's background? in there. He's in yeah. the line. He's Charles's <laughs> little brother. Yeah, there you go. So we learnt about all of these security measures kind of as we were going along. It was definitely a learning experience. But certain things were required such as uh, halfway through the day we were setting up the ballroom. Every single person had to leave the ballroom for at least 40 minutes while the sniffer dogs came in. They checked the AV desk. They got them to sniff all the cords under every table. They're basically the British Secret Service. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go back to the six months before <laughs> he even arrived in the country when they swept all the rooms that he would be in. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I forgot about that part. Yep. They went to the venues and they swept them. They check, they check, and they check, and they check, and check, and check. And when yeah. you say sweep, you mean like sweep for listening devices, explosive devices? Yeah, they didn't have a broom. Just yeah. <laughs> six months is a bit early to clean. They do a whole lot of recon. So they come into, into the city and check everywhere that they'll be staying. All the venues that we're going to. Yeah, it's very, very thorough. It is. And then on the day, we had to communicate to guests. Guests needed two forms of ID to get into the event. The nightclub. Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was like going for a passport check. (laughs) And if they didn't have a ticket or form of ID, I was the only authorised person to let them in. To overrule which was a Lack bit of dicey. ID. I didn't know every guest by face value, but <laughs> <laughs> Melissa's just going, yeah, come on in. Yeah, exactly. I was like, mm, you seem important. You look fine. Yeah, go on. But they had <laughs> um, a gun in your pocket. <laughs> his, oh, I can't remember his title now. Can you? HRH, His Royal Highness. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> he's like 
he's next in line, like chief of staff, was it? He's 2IC. Oh. Um. Call chief of staff. So uh, Prince Edward's chief, chief of staff had to actually stay with me the entire event as well. He followed me around. He made sure that who I was letting in wasn't dodgy. Um, yeah, it was very, very involved. I've actually had to, on the topic of dignitaries visiting, I've had to, at an event, add another set of stairs because it was an upstairs balcony um, sunset event and the Secret Service, the Australian Secret Service, weren't happy with the one set of stairs to exit the building. They said, could you put another set up? Hmm. Sure. Great. <laughs> I thought it was funny when Prince Eddie, I'm just going to go with that, was here that um, you had to stand in certain places when he <laughs> entered the building. So you had to have your back to the wall. You had to... What? Like we were all in a, in a row. Yeah. It was really intense. And it was. You didn't want to, like, you get excited when you see the prince. But you're trying to be cool as well. And then, yeah, yeah. You can, but you can't step forward at all. Um, prince Edward, if you're listening, please subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Eddie. Secret Service are probably onto us again right now. <laughs> Secret Service. Lifting were, the lid. How cool were they? They though? were really I mean, nice. They were yeah. so friendly. Down their, to Their earth. jobs are obviously super intense, but they were really fun to be around. They were. Most of them. Some were quite serious and scary <laughs> with their big guns. <laughs> as you would imagine. Hmm. So the next thing on the event day you need to consider is allocated parking spaces or, as we mentioned, ministers will usually have a car but sometimes valet parking if they're driving themselves. Yeah, just having that information readily available for them, where, the, where to pull up, when to pull up. That's probably something you'd put in the yeah. um, briefing doc as well. So another thing to remember when you're drafting the MC script and therefore on the day is you must acknowledge any VIPs in attendance at the very start of the event. So this also includes making sure you use the relevant prefixes such as the honourable in front of the name and postnoms. So MLA, MLC, AO, I can't remember, uh, Prince Eddie's, <laughs> but there were a lot of them. H-R-H-A-O. Yeah. Blah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing to think about on your event day with VIPs is photography. So make sure you include any set shots you want to capture in your photographer's brief. And also include it in your VIP's briefing notes so they know what to expect that they're going to be taken away for a photo call or a set shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quite often that can be taking them away to good lighting. Yes, or media wall or something. Mm. You don't want to, out of the blue, take them away to another room because you might be tackled. Can you, can you come <laughs> with me, please? No reason. <laughs> but having said that, there has to be a room. I remember with Prince Edward, we had to have a room that he could go to if he wanted to leave the event that was safe and secure. So he, at Fraser's, he went to the bridal suite. That was his safe spot to just take time out. It's funny how we remember different parts of each of his visit. <laughs> I think because I wasn't at the Fraser's event. Yeah, we did four the next day. Yeah. So after the event, what sort of things should we be looking at? Definitely um, a thank you letter to any VIPs that have attended or spoken. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. Thank you. <laughs> I think good because it's the only one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> We're just doing things after the event. Lots of people forget that after that post-event yeah. um Thank yous, even to suppliers. Yeah. It's, it's a really important thing to do, but particularly to VIPs, just say yeah. thank you for your time because quite often these, um, especially politicians, they've got busy lives in Parliament and then they've got to, in their own time, attend, be yeah. taken away from family and friends and other engagements to attend events. And I like to think that Thank You Letter helps keep you or your business top of their mind. You know, They yeah. always say thank you. They always appreciate me being there. And yeah. when your event comes around again or another event, they will be keen to come. Yes. Great customer service. Yeah. And they're just people at the end of the day. So yeah. they deserve that common courtesy. Exactly. Even if their PA is going to read the letter and doesn't matter. Not pass it on. I <laughs> tell myself it matters. 
So other event protocols, um, let's talk about welcome to country and acknowledgement of country. So it's, it is customary these days to book a welcome to country for most events. If a welcome to country is not done, and it's pretty rare these days, the MC should definitely do an acknowledgement of country in their opening speech. Um, usually it is done as well as the welcome to country. So an acknowledgement of country is just, we like to acknowledge the and traditional owners of the land and naming the, the name of the tribe that they're on. Correct. I mean, you can Google it to get a good acknowledgement to country. Yeah. yeah. But basically, welcome to country, the significance of it is to, when when Australia, before Australia was invaded by the British, the Aboriginal people, as they travelled the land, they were quite nomadic. And when they walked through somebody else's country, they were welcomed by the people that were there. So it's a really beautiful tradition that this country has had for thousands of thousands of years and now we're bringing it into today's world and at events it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it can be done in so many different ways as well. It doesn't have to be a very dry sort of scripted speech. It can be a song, it can be a dance, it can be a comedy act. Um, I've seen so many different a lot ways. Of them are really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that it's great when they bring humour in. Yeah, I love Ingrid Cumming. She yes. quite often tells a black Russian joke because her dad it was. Don't spoil the punchline for it. Oh, <laughs> everyone's heard it, haven't they? Have yeah. you guys heard it? Yeah, I have, but. Yeah. A lot of people who haven't. All right. All right. Almond Wally and his beatboxing. Yeah. I have not heard that. Oh. Almond Wally is so good. He plays the didgeridoo, but then at the end he turns it into like beatboxing. Nice. (laughs) He brings it, yeah, into the modern age. It's awesome. And I think that's what Australians do quite well is like they take something that's like pomp and circumstance and make it fun. Yeah. And they should because it's it should be an enjoyable part of the event, not at, oh, I've got to sit through this. It should be – Celebrated, should be celebrated and it should be respected. And if you make it entertaining, it's going to be more engaging for the people that are listening to it. I saw a rap recently. So, yeah, a a singer, he sang and he rapped as he came out. It was beautiful. He was amazing. I actually learn something new every time I hear a welcome to country. And we do a lot of them because we have a lot of events at Kings Park. But people like, we also use Barry Maguire. He, it's different every time. And he talks about you know, the significance of that month or that season or um, the other night we heard how we heard how Calamunda was named. You know, there's so many interesting little stories that they add in as well that really give back to the guests. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the Welcome to Country is it's they have a platform, the original owners of this land have a platform in which they can educate people about the beauty of Aboriginal culture. Mm-hmm. What are some other good ones you've used, Tam? Uh, Richard Wally is a personal mm-hmm. favourite. Sure, Nanup, he did one um, at an event I was at a couple of weeks ago and that was really quite intense. It was very long and he made everyone hold wrists. So you put you put both your oh. hands out and then you grab the person's wrist that was on your right and then the person on your right is holding your – so everyone – we're sitting at circular tables so everyone in the circle was connected. And it was all about feeling connection and – um, yeah, he told us a story while we were doing that. And at first it was really awkward, but by the <laughs> end of it, everyone felt great. There was yeah. a really good buzz in the room. And, and great yeah. icebreaker. Yeah, because it was beautiful. Ingrid often gets people clapping along with yeah. her. And that sort of, sort of she hypes up the event a bit as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a really nice start to an event. Love it. So something to note about Welcome to Country is it can't just be any Aboriginal dude that you find. <laughs> it has to be somebody who is actually born in the area on which you're having the event. So, yes, it's good to do it in culturally significant, significant areas. Um, 
but you should do it at every event, really. It doesn't matter where you are because you're on Aboriginal land. So it has to be someone who was born there. So it can be someone quite young. It's usually an elder, but it can be someone who's young. But you can't, for instance, get Troy, my husband, who's a Yamaji man from Carnarvon. He can't do a welcome to country in Perth because he was born in Carnarvon. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about how welcome to countries are quite fun and joyful, but it is also important to keep in mind that it is still quite a sacred um, ceremony in some ways. Mm-hmm. So you should stop service during the welcome to country on your run sheet for the venue. Yes. Definitely. And always allow more time because they always go off script. They do like a yarn. (laughs) Yeah. So if you put five minutes in for a welcome to country, it's not really enough time. (laughs) And they'll tell you that. They'll they'll read the run sheet and they'll go, okay, five minutes. I'm going to take 20. So just be prepared for that. It's not, I mean, it might do your head in because you're an event manager and you're micromanaging every minute of your event, but it's probably not going to, well, 20 minutes might. Yeah, might, might be just might stuff up your service <laughs> a little bit, but <laughs> no. Usually, I reckon they would go for on average about ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just allow for that in your run sheet. And if it goes for twelve, that's cool. If it goes for eight, that's also cool. What I really enjoy about Welcome to Countries is they always personalize it to your event and where you are. So you know they don't they don't just show up and do sort of the same thing every single time. Mm. If you're in a different place or you're doing using you're using a different um, Welcome to Country person. It's different. Yeah, agreed. And quite often they'll they will stay around at your event. So especially if you're having a seated event, it's worth checking if they are going to be staying for the meal or the breakfast, whatever it is. But also quite often they don't. No. So don't just check with them. Don't yeah. cater for them if they prefer to just come in and do the welcome and then go. Um, people who are very very good at welcome to countries will do multiple welcome to countries in one night or yeah. day. So they might come in ten minutes, do your welcome, and then go to another event. So other protocols we see around the place is the national anthem, the performance of the national anthem or sort of a group sing-along of the national anthem. So the the national anthem is used at important public events, sporting events and community events. Anzac ceremonies come to mind as well as citizenship ceremonies, um, state funerals, that sort of thing. And traditionally, it's only the first verse of the anthem that is used. However, you can choose to do both verses. And it's still quite a... I mean, schools still use it as well. Mm. And, yeah. and there's still a lot of protocol around it. You yeah. have to stand up. You have to have your arms by your side. I do yeah. this at my kids' assemblies all the time. <laughs> you have to sing the exact words. You can't sing it not in English. What? No. Is there a non-English version? Well, there would be. Oh. You can sing it in any language you like. You can't. But then it's not the national <laughs> yeah. Australian national anthem. So if you are incorporating that into an event, um, it can be played at the discretion of the event manager. Mm-hmm. So any point throughout the event, you can pop it in as long as the... <laughs> just right, we've just finished dessert. Stand yep. up, national anthem. <laughs> Get rolling. Hands by sides. So usually you would do it at the start, but um, there's no protocols is what I'm saying around where you have yeah. to have it. It is a lot more common at sporting events and stuff like that. Because yeah, I definitely. haven't seen it at too many black tie events or anything mm, like no. that. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing you might see at events which has a lot of protocol around it is the Australian flag. And again, the sort of events I mentioned before is where you'll see it. at Anzac Day, Last Post. Yeah, sporting events, that sort of thing. But there are so many protocols around how you treat the Australian flag. So we won't go into them in detail because it's a pretty specific event where you would have a flag. But there, if you go to the website for the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, they have the full list of protocols. Basically, it can't touch the ground, you can't fly it upside down, 
Can't not, burn it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems obvious, that one. <laughs> but I think that's similar for a lot of flags around well, the world. It, all flags. Yeah. Um, you can't – no flag can fly higher than the Australian flag. So there's there's a lot of rules around that. Apparently, you can't raise it before dawn or lower it after dusk. Huh. Did you know that? Yeah. Know fun fact. Fun fact. What, what if fun with flags, Shelley Cooper. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> fun with flags. Yeah. What if, what if you just want to leave it up? Yeah, you can leave it up. But it's just the raising and the lowering. The raising and lowering are very ceremonial. Yes. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. So all of those are on that website. I'd we actually mentioned. be really interested if any of our listeners can share with us international kind of protocols around flags, military, that well, kind of I'm thing. I'm even wondering about the Indigenous flag. Yeah. I would say it would have a similar protocol to it. Yeah. So we're at top tips time. What do we got? Tip number one. Give as much notice as possible when inviting VIPs to your event and also make sure you get the thank you letters out following the event as fast as you can. Tip two, remember to take any extra security requirements into consideration and there are often many. Yes. Tip number three, always arrange parking or check for valet and premium seating at the event. Tip four, make sure the MC acknowledges any VIPs in the room at the start of the event. And tip five, whenever possible, do a welcome to country and in place of that, an acknowledgement of country from your opening speaker. That's us for it today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Event Protocols and VIPs. Later. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. Yeah.